finishing up getting their coffee, but uh, we'll get started this morning. Great to have you with us. Uh, welcome to the Sunday School Hour. I didn't uh, realize <coughs> when uh, I was asked to fill in two weeks ago, uh, and I had twice as much material as I needed, that two weeks later I would be called upon, and I thought, well, this is okay. I can finish up the material. So uh, our subject matter that we were tying in with 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 has to do with the idea of fruit. Not as in like the funny story I told you about thinking that the congregation was so gracious in giving us a book to study kiwi, but it was discovering Kauai. And if they would have said Honolulu or Hawaii, I would have understood that. But Kauai, I had never heard of that island. And, uh, but that would be home and, uh, for your part of the world. But I was not familiar with that. So uh, when we opened up, when uh, they presented us for our 25th anniversary, which is now nearly 16 years ago, uh, uh, they gave me the gift, as I said, and, uh, which was just a small package. And they gave Elaine the card. And I opened the gift. And, and I see discovering Kauai. And I thought, this is really nice of the congregation. They gave us a book to study fruit. That was the only thought. And, 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 and then Elaine was instructed to open the card. And uh, the rest is history. We got to enjoy a week in Kauai, all expenses paid. And that was very generous of them. Now, how many of you uh, this morning, before I pray and we get started, have had, whether as a young adult or maybe even as an older adult, had some dead-end jobs. Anybody like that? Okay. Uh, I had one of those. Mine was, as a young adult, I got a job at a gold, uh, gold, a chrome plating shop. Now, I was totally unfamiliar with what goes on in a chrome plating shop until I got that job. Uh, but it was something that put gas in the car, and I was a young adult, and I needed a job. And so, uh, but I didn't last very long. And the reason why is this chrome plating shop that I knew was a dead-end job, that they had all the guys that worked with all these boiling tanks. And then they had all the gals that loaded all the parts on these racks. And so what we would chrome plate for car companies in Detroit was like turn signals, gear shift levers, maybe the center part of some hubcaps, so small parts. And depending on what the part was, there would be anywhere from maybe 20 to 40 on each rack. So they would lock them into those racks, and then we'd have to put them in to tanks, leave them there for about 10 seconds, go to the next tank, and that's what you did all day, every day. And it was usually anywhere from 90 degrees to 110, because everything was boiling. And, uh, and I, I didn't last very long on that job. Uh, not only by way of desire and passion, or lack thereof, but because I started developing nosebleeds from the chemicals. And so then they suggested wearing kind of like a glorified gas mask. Well, when it's 110 degrees and you've got this rubber thing on your face, I thought, this is going downhill rapidly. And so I decided that that probably wasn't what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And so I made some choices and decisions to move in a different direction. And uh, 
So if you have your Bibles, this is, uh, uh, we kind of started here last time, we never got back to it, so it gives us a good excuse to get back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, now if you were not here two weeks ago, which was Mother's Day, and uh, which uh, was the most recent time Pastor Greg and uh, his bride were away, that uh, um, this subject of fruit or fruit bearing. And uh, so I'll, I'll give a little bit of introduction. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the review. Otherwise, we're still not going to get to what I ultimately wanted to get to. All right? So let's pray. Father, uh, we are grateful for your kindness and grace and mercy in our lives. Thank you that you have expressed very clearly in the Word of God that you want us to bear fruit. That's one of the ultimate goals you have for us, that from point A, when we are saved, to point B, whether that be by your return or death, that you want us to bear fruit. But we need you to give us insight on how we get there. And just as I illustrated in dead-end jobs, sometimes we can get into a dead-end lifestyle and we lose track of what we really want to accomplish during our days here on earth. Thank you that not only you desire and command us to bear fruit, but also, Lord, we are rewarded and blessed when that happens. So give us not only a desire, but ultimately, Lord, a deep, deep satisfaction uh, as we experience that in real life. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to highlight a few of the... Uh, uh, introductory things that we looked at last time by way of fruit. And that is that uh, God in his grace and mercy <clears throat> at work in our lives, uh, that work of his grace and mercy begins at the moment we're saved, ultimately to when we go home to be with the Lord through our, our lifetime. And, uh, and so uh, I decided very early after I was saved at the age of 19, that uh, I was desirous for God to do something as a first-generation Christian that I wanted to turn the tide of what the next generation in my lifetime would be able to experience by God's grace. Some of you are first-generation Christians just like I was and am. Uh, others come from a second generation. That's, it, it's not better or bad. It, it's just the way life is, right? And, uh, uh, and, uh, and yet God blesses in both aspects. The energizing work of God's grace begins at salvation. The moment I've saved, I trust Jesus as my Savior. And then I, I move on to sanctification. That is, that Jesus makes me and conforms me, as we looked at Romans 8.29, to the image of the Lord Jesus. And then ultimately it culminates in glorification which is when I stand in his presence. And so those are big words, but that's how we see and what we see in the word of God as it teaches through what he does in our life through the Holy Spirit. And uh, <clears throat> I drew our attention that the word fruit or fruitfulness or a derivative of it is used some 85 times in the New Testament, used several times, uh, certainly in this passage that we're going to look at in just a moment in 1 Thessalonians, but throughout the Word of God. And, uh, and then we called your attention to several 
very familiar and profound passages that Jesus used it as a teaching lesson about fruit and fruit bearing. Now, with that as kind of a backdrop, and then we're going to look at several of the passages before we consider uh, 1 Thessalonians 2. By the way, don't let this be a distraction. My wife and I, I, I had a little injury yesterday, and the only thing we could find in the house was Angry Bird Band-Aids. Now, I assure you that's not typically what Elaine and I use, but it's for the sake of grandkids. But we don't produce injuries very often anymore. But that's the only thing we had. And, uh, but anyway, uh, the word fruit I brought to your attention is the word karpos, depending on whether it's used as a noun or an adjective. Uh, uh, and uh, it either has a prefix or an ending that's different. Uh, by and large, 95% of the time, that's the word that's used. There are a few exceptions to that. But Jesus used it uh, very commonly. Uh, but what we find in the scriptures when you talk about 85 times, I think there's two things that I want to uh, draw your attention to. Number one, that you and I bearing fruit is important to God. Sometimes even more important than it is to me. That is from the point I'm saying. And sometimes we get off track in our walk with God. You see, because fruit and fruit bearing, uh, salvation has nothing to do with me. Is that right? This is yes. This is no. <laughs> has nothing to do with me. Uh, but fruit bearing and fruit has a lot to do with me with regard to choices I make and priorities I have in my life. That affects. And whether it's people that I've seen at 14 years old or 84 years old, they're all capable of making terrible decisions and choices and priorities in life that they doesn't get them to where they originally wanted to get to. And that, be, that is to become a fruitful and productive believer. So you're here this morning. I realize, as the cliche says, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here because you do want your life to make a difference. I know that was my desire. When I first got saved, my, my desire, once the Lord particularly made it clear that we were going to come to Utah and do missionary work, as I said, God, in my lifetime, whatever that, those years are, if you would allow me to marry a lady that loves Jesus, raise children that love Jesus, and allow me to plant a few churches that I can leave behind after I'm gone, then I will consider my life a worthwhile investment. I stand here telling you God has done that. Not because of me, but because of the work of grace. I told you that my life verse is Philippians 1.6 that says, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I trust that's your heartthrob. I really want my life to count for something. I don't want to just spend whatever amount of years God gives me and really don't have anything eternal to show for. Yeah, I, I might have a nice house and drive nice cars and I have money in the bank, but that doesn't, that's not going to matter in eternity. What's going to matter is the fruit that has been born. 
And, uh, and so these are some of the passages that we looked at. We're not going to look at them again today for the sake of time. But uh, John 15, verses 1 to 8, remember that's the passage about the vine and the branches. And uh, three, uh, a couple of critical things I made note of in John 15 where really it's all about fruit bearing. And there's three incremental steps that Jesus gives in his teaching there. Number one, he says that I, he, he desires that we bear fruit. And, and, uh, and then also he purges that you might bear more fruit. And then he goes on and he says that you might bear much fruit. So there's incremental steps in that passage. But what, what, what's the context or the, the, the teaching? I am the vine, you are the branches. There is no such thing as fruit bearing apart from the branch being connected to the vine. You see, that's the danger, whether it's in Christianity or other churches, that I try to do this thing of fruit bearing in and of my own strength. That never works. It will leave you depleted of energy. It will leave you frustrated. It will leave you with an emptiness because you're trying to do it in your own energy. For example, when we think of, remember one of the other passages, Galatians 5, about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And we said that all those things are internal, but it's the fruit of what? The flesh? No, the fruit of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit wants to produce in me and through me. Now, is it possible for people who are not regenerated, do not know Jesus, to practice some of those same, what we would call, Christian virtues? And the answer is yes. But is it necessarily produced by the Holy Spirit? And the answer is no. I can be kind. I can stop beating my wife if I want. <laughs> right? But as far as being filled with the Spirit and being the kind of husband and father that God wants me to be, no, I can't. At best, I can be kind. I can be considerate, but I can't be energized by the Holy Spirit because, you see, he doesn't live within me as his child. Another, uh, we, we mentioned uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 4 at the end. It says <clears throat> that likewise, you brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who raised from the dead, uh, raised him from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. Colossians 1.10 says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work. Matthew 13, the parable of the sower at the end of the interpretation that Jesus gives us for the parable of the sower, he says that, that the uh, fruit bearing takes place incrementally based on the, fer the fertile soil of the heart. It says 160-30. So fruit bearing doesn't take place uh, because there are so many factors that affect fruit bearing depending on my sphere of influence, depending on my giftedness, and so forth. There's a lot of things, uh, plus my submission to the Holy Spirit, that come to bear on how much fruit I can yield in my lifetime and in my life. 
And then uh, at the close of last time's session, we talked about that the, uh, all, of all the passages that have to do with fruit and fruit bearing, that uh, they uh, primarily break down into two categories. One, the first is fruit that it speaks of in the Bible metaphorically. That is, of uh, Christian virtues or Christ-likeness. Remember, we mentioned Romans 8.29 that it is God's will for every child of God to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's God's will. I can be sure, I can write that down in black, underline it in red. It is God's will for me to become more Christ-like in my lifetime. So, but th those are Christian virtues, Christ-likeness. Uh, that's what he has predestined me to be conformed to the image of his son. Then there's a second category of fruit and that has to do with the impacting and reproducing myself in the lives of others. And we looked at several passages regarding that. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and, and that may be to the saved or that may be to the unsaved. That is that God, as a child of God, who wants me to be light to the world and leaves me behind so that I might have that, <clears throat> Uh, wants me to impact other people for Jesus. And, uh, and uh, we looked at a number of passages, but the fact is that, <clears throat> that, uh, that your fruit might remain, Jesus said. Well, our fruit is no longer going to remain internally as Christian virtues, even though they'll be an influence certainly to the next generation. But the fruit that will remain is the people that I impact for the glory of God, that whether saved or unsaved. So for example, in the church building today, we have teachers downstairs. They're trying to make a difference in our kiddos, right? In this next generation, and they go, it all goes on behind the scenes. We don't have a lot to do with that. Sometimes we never, never even think of that. But every church that we've started through the years, we always, always without exception, started with children. Because I knew if we got the heart of the children, we'd get the heart of the parents. And so we would do anything we could in the community to reach children. And then ultimately, when a, a parent realizes that you're willing to invest in their kid, guess what? They think that maybe you might be worthwhile. So the ministry of children is invaluable. And uh, that's the next generation that we're trying to impact. And as I mentioned at our close, <clears throat> you know this thing of connecting the dots between ambition of what I want out of life and pra the practice of that I actually arrive there? Sometimes believers never connect the dots. Okay, if this is what I want, how do I get to where I want to be? But I want you to know it's very clear for the, in the athletic world, if they want to become a great athlete, they know exactly what they have to do. It's, it's, it's clear in the uh, medical world, if I want to be the best in my field, then this is what I have to do. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and even a musician. I remember when I wanted to learn to play the accordion, <clears throat> which I still play. <clears throat> But uh, it started with a desire because my uncle played the accordion. 
And I'd watch him play the accordion. I thought, that is really cool. And, and I expressed that to my parents. That I'd really like to play the accordion. I said, well, okay. If you want to play the accordion, though, that's a big investment for us. But we can get an accordion because people, during those years, because we, uh, many of our relatives had immigrated, we'd have relatives going to Italy all the time, every summer. They said, Dad, we'll get you an accordion from Italy because they're a fraction of the cost than they are here. And so sure enough, one of my relatives brought an accordion back. And they said, but the other, uh, I had to make some decisions. And the decision was not only to purchase one, but ultimately, if I, if I as your dad invest in an accordion, you will take lessons. <laughs> and uh, those of you that have kiddos that have taken lessons, you know it's quite painful in the early years, right? It sounds like a torture chamber. And mine was no different, you see. But then it, I went through a third step, and that was discipline. I had to discipline myself to practice, practice, practice. And again, for sometimes believers, they never connect the dots. It's no different in the Christian life. Everything regarding salvation is unconditional. But from that point on, there are many arenas of life that are conditional. That is, if I want to get over here. And it really all goes back to God's word, right? <clears throat> Isn't that what God called Joshua's attention to in Joshua 1? Where he said, you, you, you need to obey and you need to meditate and then you will have good success, you see? And uh, obviously, we may define success in a different way in our 21st century America, but be that as it may, uh, God wants us to be fruit bearers. That can be evidenced in my marriage, in raising my children, in my family, in becoming more Christ-like internally, and certainly my work ethic, and then fruit bearing as far as impacting other people outside of family. So let's take a few moments in the time we have left <clears throat> in 1 Thessalonians <clears throat> in chapter 2, <clears throat> beginning with verse 13. And we're just going to touch, this is not by any means an exposition of this passage, but uh, our world is all about happy. Is that right? Um, you don't have to watch too many Hallmark movies that it's all about, well, whatever makes you happy. Well, for the believer, for the child of God, where part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy, and we even see it in Ephesians 5 in the filling of the Spirit, that God wants me to have genuine spiritual fruit of joy rather than just happy. Happy is dependent on my circumstances. Deep-seated joy is not. Now, can it be, you know, kind of squelched temporarily because of circumstances I experience in life? Sure. But it's still always there. Why? Because it's, it's not produced by me. It's produced by the Holy Spirit who abides and lives forever in me. So 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. We also thank God constantly for this, <clears throat> that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but it, it, what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And I want you to see that last phrase, 
that word of God, which is at work in you believers. We're going to come back to that. <clears throat> For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. <clears throat> who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, drove us out, and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly to be uh, with a great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you again. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what joy, or what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. So remember our big overarching uh, umbrella of a theme that we introduced the subject of of uh, uh, joy and fruit-bearing was the idea of the joy of fruitful ministry. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, has been, uh, when we came on board with the church, has to do with member care. Okay? That is, that we are supposed to care for you as members of Fellowship Bible Church, whether you're a member on, on a sheet of paper or just a, you, you, you would claim Fellowship Bible Church as your church, uh, member care. One of the things, and, and particularly this feeds into what Pastor Greg spoke about last week and is going to continue to speak on, and that is uh, the idea of how member care does not only start at the top down, but it starts equally between you, right? Because... We support and encourage and minister to each other. Uh, now, member care, in order for that to be really effective and successful, uh, you have to tell us what the needs are of you as a member. As far as I know, and I had to learn this through the years of ministry, uh, Pastor Greg is not omniscient. Okay? Sometimes when you go through hardship, you think he should automatically know. Like, no, nobody's called. Well, did you tell anybody? Well, no. Well, we don't, you know, this isn't by osmosis. <laughs> we have to have communication, you see? So, you can be a, have a ministry to each other, but you also have a ministry to give us the information so that we can fulfill our responsibility before the Lord. So member care is a two-way street. We care for each other, that is, as congregational members, but we also care in terms of leadership to folks. But uh, I, I, this is the, a couple of things. Uh, at the end of the, uh, that we read in verse 19 and 20, twice he uses the word joy. For what is our hope or joy <clears throat> or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus is coming? 
Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Fruitful, joyful ministry. Ministry doesn't happen on Sunday morning for two hours. Ministry goes on 24-7 between all of us. When we get a hold of that and embrace that and say, I have a part to play in that. That's when a, a, a church ministry, any church ministry, really gains traction. Uh, but we have to embrace that for our own. And, uh, and that's why it's healthy to go through the, uh, what we've been through the last few weeks as Pastor Greg has been preaching about spiritual giftedness. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 and 6 uh, certainly addresses that. And the most effective ministry takes place when we are filled with the Spirit and we have an outward focus on other people. But see, Paul here expresses that you, you, for a minister of the gospel, the great joy is seeing people grow in the Lord. That's so deeply, deeply satisfying. It's first satisfying when they come to know Jesus as their Savior. But even that satisfaction continues as people grow in the Lord. But notice what he says, first of all, about the uh, believers at Thessalonica and their position toward what had been communicated. <clears throat> and it had to do with their posture of heart towards the word of God, right? Because he said, concerning the Bible, you didn't receive it simply as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God. They put first things first. <laughs> and uh, uh, all of us as children of God, by faith in the Lord Jesus, that has to be a priority. There is a direct correlation between the investment you make on a regular basis in the Word, besides the two hours on Sunday, and your spiritual growth. I've seen that hundreds of times, that as a pastor, you can see and observe people that are saturated with the Word of God and are growing by leaps and bounds, and you know they've got their nose in the book. On the other hand, you see other people who are maybe to a certain extent starving spiritually because they're not spending any time between one Sunday and another in the Word of God. And I remind you of 1 Peter 2.2, 2, that desire the sincere milk of the Word that you might what? Grow thereby. There is no growth apart from my nose not being in the book, you see. Romans 10.17 so then faith comes by hearing, and what? Hearing by the word of God. So uh, if I want to grow in my faith, if I want to grow in my Christ-likeness, then the place that I see myself in the mirror that I need to grow and measure myself is in God's word. They, their posture of heart concerning the Bible and uh, <clears throat> with regard to their own spiritual growth, because... Uh, uh, notice what he says uh, towards what they had experienced and that uh, the Apostle Paul had observed. Because he says in verse, uh, uh, we mentioned at the end of verse 13 where he says, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. That's one of the reasons why we are committed to the expositional preaching of the word of God. Because that's the only thing that God has promised to bless. Not my comments. Not my charismatic personality, but only his word. 
Why should people get saved after a message on a Sunday? There's only one reason. <laughs> because the word of God has been exposed and the hearer has heard and wants to change something. Whether that's trusting Christ as Savior or making some drastic changes in their life. And he points to that fact in verse 14 where he says, For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. So what they experienced and what he observed was two things. Number one, they had become imitators. And the, the, the word is mimitai. Guess what word we get from it? Mimic. Isn't there something, anything more powerful and sobering when your little baby starts becoming a toddler and they start mimicking you? Good and bad. And as a parent, you say, oh, no, this is awful. <laughs> right? And uh, because they, they mimic both. And, uh, and yet, we have the privilege of being imitators, mimicking Christ's likeness as his children by virtue of the Spirit of God that's been deposited in my heart and sanctifying me, making me more Christ-like. And, uh, and then lastly, and we're going to close with this, and that is the prospect towards what is longed to be enjoyed. Uh, the blessing of imminent communion with God's people and ultimately future reward. Isn't that what he said at the end of this passage? Uh, in verse 17, he talked about that he, he wanted to come on a number of occasions. And he says that Satan hindered him. And if we had time, we'd look at the Bible and find, okay, what influence and power does Satan have and not have? But the fact is, Paul doesn't tell us how he hindered him. He just says he hindered him. Well, there were certain circumstances, obviously, that unfolded. That he wanted to come, but God closed the door. We wanted to pour concrete the last two weeks. We can't. <laughs> we don't know the reason why. But God in his providence didn't work it out. Now, I'm not blaming the, uh, the concrete shortage on Satan. I think he's got a lot bigger fish to fry than just concrete. Okay. But what I am saying is Satan does do a work behind the scenes. But Paul so longingly looked forward to seeing them. He had a great desire to see them face to face. But then he closes, which is very appropriate, that for what is our hope and our crown and our joy, is it not boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? That's when spiritual ministry... Spiritual fruit-bearing is going to matter the most. You and I may hide during our life here on earth. That is, whether we're really all out for God, whether we are really submitted to Him, whether I really want to obey Him. I can hide that from people. But I want you to know you're not going to hide anymore when we stand before Jesus. Because that which has been done in the flesh is going to be burned up, according to 1 Corinthians 3. But only that which really matters, the silver, the gold, and the precious stone. 
that's going to follow us. And he says that is our joy when we stand before the Lord. And, uh, and God, who is the ultimate gatekeeper and record keeper, that will reward accordingly. And I remind you that he rewards beyond what's fair. <laughs> Anybody that's done ministry knows that. Uh, he is a very generous and giving God. So I just close with two questions. Number one, taking spiritual inventory. How are you doing on the two categories of spiritual fruit? As you look back over your life, this last year, the last five years, last ten years, say, am I more Christ-like today than I was five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago? If it was all up to my own personal energy, see, I, some of you grew up in Christian homes, some of you didn't. I grew up in a very violent, abusive home. That was my background. In the Italian culture, violence is the way you get things done. Uh, I would have been down that path had it not been for God at the age of 19 intervened. But you see, I, I had a lot of lost ground to gain in terms of now that I was being taught the word of God and how to be a father and how to be a husband and how to be a pastor. And uh, I had to make up some, some ground that I lost. But I, I, I'm here to tell you that, listen, regardless of how much you think you've lost, it doesn't matter. You can have a new beginning today, you see, in terms of saying, yeah, I, I, I don't remember when I ever made that conscious decision, God, I want my life to count. I want to bear fruit. That fruit may be internal, it may be external, or it may be both. And then the second question has to do with the external. That is, you look over your life, you say, okay, uh, it would be incorrect and unbiblical of me to ask you, have you led a person to Christ in the last year, in the last five years, led last 10 years, that would be incorrect because you're not the one that leads them to Christ. It's God that does the work. But nonetheless, I have to have the posture of heart where I even have a desire and a passion to do that, just like I had a desire and a passion to learn the accordion, you see. And after I got saved, I can remember for years, in those early years particularly, that I'd go to work in construction. I'd say, God, make me sensitive to share Jesus with everybody I come in contact with that you open up a door. Every morning, every morning, every morning I did that. I didn't know what that would turn into years down the road, but God did. But I'm glad I started very early in life to ask God and plead with the Lord to multiply my life, use it for his glory, and to bear fruit to whatever increment he so chooses but I'm submitted to him. May that be our collective desire because I believe that's where real fruit bearing will take place, not only internally in the church as we minister to each other, but externally as we impact people outside of the church. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful, uh, first of all, for expressing your desire for us Forgive us that your desire 
for us to be fruit bearers uh, is much greater than our own desires. And yet, Lord, we, we thank you that by your grace you called us to become uh, a child of God by faith in the Lord Jesus. As a result, the Bible teaches us that the Spirit of God uh, has been deposited in our heart in order to conform us to the image of Christ and become fruitful in our lives. Lord, create in all of us that passion that, yes, Lord, that is what I want more than anything else in life by your grace and mercy. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.